listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? afternoon to everyone who's listening to us live on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. (laughs) Everyone's going, who dat? Who dat? (laughs) I don't know. Some people may have just thought it's, you know, Cecilia, because we do do sound alike occasionally. Um, But I am Rachel uh, and across from me is Lewis. Hello, good evening and welcome. Uh, and if you are listening to the podcast, um, whatever time you are listening to it, welcome Welcome. Uh, and I, I know we're, we're about to jump into something. But no, before we do that, I mean, yes. you know, welcome back. Like, Thank you. you know, you've, you've been on, on sabbatical. You're actually still on sabbatical. I um, am. I'm a casual worker yeah. now. <laughs> That, that's right. We're paying you just like that. <laughs> you're uh, not paying me anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, but you're, you're back. So uh, how, how how's sabbatical been? Well, we bought a car. <gasps> you bought a car? We did. What's the car? Is that the car there? Uh, no, because that's still my 12-year-old Yaris. Is it? <laughs> it looks so shiny. Did you, you know, No, you know why? Because Chris cleaned the headlights. He did an industrial clean on so them. So you didn't get a repainter like with anything. a sander and... No, no, that's just Debbie. So we're, we're looking at the uh, at uh, Rachel's car through uh, the, the CCTV. The magic of CCTV. Yeah. But it does. It, look, it looks shiny, like from here. Yeah, mm. I think it's mainly because uh, Chris cleaned up the lights and... Had a wash a couple of weeks ago that after was good going down to Margaret River because yeah. we couldn't take Chris's old car very far. Um, I don't know if you were listening to to the show I did with Cecilia, but basically we took it away with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, Sorry, I've got. I'm, I'm trying to take you seriously, uh, but it's not. It's very difficult. He's got glasses on and he's having to look over the top of them like a school mom. Because the thing is, I I don't. I've got glasses for reading, like only yes. reading. And if I look at people through the glasses when I've got them on, they're blurry. So mm. then I, I like push them down over my nose so I can actually see a person properly. Yes, it's very frustrating. Yes, I will. Um, I will stop tittering at your school mum. I'll, ta- I'll take the glasses off for your story. So you thank d- you. So I can concentrate. Yeah. Um, so for my birthday, we went and stayed at um, a place near Cooker and. And Dumble Young, get that kind of area near Lake Grace. I love the show of Dumble Young. Yeah. Dumble Young. Oh, oh, yeah, blink and you miss it. Yeah. It's got some charming shops in there and a really, really nice cafe. Um, but we stayed at a place called Mary Farm Cottages, which we stayed before in, in April when we were on our way back from, from Esperance. And because we loved it so much, we decided that's where I wanted to go for my 40th uh, at this lovely little farm stay. And... Um, well, there's no internet, no phones, nothing like that. So lovely. It was lovely and, you know, we built a fire and all that sort of jazz. But anyway, on my birthday, we get in the car, Chris's car, to, you know, go to, into Lake Grace for breakfast. Doesn't start. Oh, no. <laughs> so not immediately anyway. Eventually it did. Um, eventually it did and we both checked our watches to see our heart rates and they were through the roof <sighs> because nobody else was staying. We had that um, the place to ourselves that day. So uh, it was like, well, this is going well. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, it's all good. Um, Chris replaced the starter motor, which is what had died, but it is quite an old car. Mm. So it was time to to get a new one because it just keeps costing us money. How did he replace the starter motor? Because he's magic. So he just, so he he, he went to a wreckers Mm. and bought one um, out of another car, same model, that was perfectly... Mm. Um, perfect uh, for about a hundred dollars, right. and then he and my father-in-law installed it themselves. Right, they're okay. very handy. Yeah. My father-in-law is exceptionally handy with cars. So, so it wasn't when you're on holidays that no, right. So it it did keep starting. Yep. It's just that it took about three or four goes to get the car started, right. and that happened for about a week or two before we got the starter motor and chucked it in there. But. Um, yeah. That's a problem with cars, having two motors in there, a starter motor and an actual motor. It's just like too, <laughs> far too many motors in my There's liking. too much going on in there. Yeah. I don't know what it all is, but I, yes, we I, got I like, a new car. I like the good old days of like just sticking a crank in the front of your car and winding it up. <laughs> oh, gone are the you're, days. You're funny because we got this car right. It's a Mitsubishi Outlander, mm-hmm. um, 2009 four-wheel drive model. Um, and it, it when we got in there on the drive home from the – the place we got it from, it started raining and the wipers just automatically <sighs> turned on. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Everything's <sighs> automated. There's no, I like to be in control when I'm driving. Is and Chris is like, oh, we'll just go back to horse and buggies, shall we? <laughs> and I'm like, look, the the only thing I like uh, mechanical in my car is the the windows. That's I'm I'm glad I don't have the windy windows mm. anymore. And you know, a little bit of speckies with the music and and that sort of stuff. But don't go nuts and try to drive for me and, like, turn on the wipers for me. Give me some control. Lordy. Oh, I'm all, I'm all up for the uh, autonomous vehicles. Let's go. Uh, Let's do it. I am used to it now, yeah. though. It's quite quite nice. But anyway. I, I can't wait. I mean, just Be- Jeff Bezos has taken it to the next level. He's, like, got autonomous spaceships. Well, you know, he's, he has rocket, like, launches. Yeah. And it, like, launches rich people and celebrities into into the stratosphere uh, and they go like 100 kilometres ab- above the earth. I literally um, just got chills. Like there's not even a joke. Really? Okay. I hate yeah. the idea of space. Uh, Honestly, I'm happy to yeah. die here. Yeah. I think I think we've we've uh, mentioned many, many times before just how stupid I think space is. Yeah. Uh, because it's all been romanticised by the movies and TV mm. shows because everyone thinks you get to space, they turn on the artificial gravity and you can walk. But you can't. If you're yeah. up in space, you're floating 24-7. Yeah. And that's, yep. that's going to suck after a while. I mean, it'd be fun for a bit, but it's going to suck just, after a while. It, just the whole idea of it is really, really scary. Yeah. I started reading a book called um, by Bill Bryson called The History of Almost Everything or Short History of Almost Anything, uh, Everything, and it starts off with, like, the Big Bang and all this sort of stuff. And um, and it's my brain hurt from reading it and it's – and my heart is beating a thousand miles a minute because I'm like, this is scary thought to think of the the actual Big Bang theory, not the show, but the actual <laughs> theory. It's some um, frightening stuff. But anyway, um, did you know? Yeah. Did you know though? Because I, I did mention the Jeff Bezos and like going into mm. space. That thing is like autonomous. There's no pilot in in that that ship you know admittedly jeff bezos has been in there for the two missions that they've mm. done so far missions um where they just like shoot people up into space yeah. and they start there for 10 minutes and then they parachute back down to earth <laughs> Woohoo, fun um uh, but yeah uh today though uh he he i don't know if it was today or yesterday it was somewhere around this time <laughs> um he shot william shatner into space so the yeah. shats 
been into space. Did he shat himself? I, no, I don't think so. I think he, uh, you know, it, they're not up there for very long. So that's why there's no toilets mm. on the, the, the thing. So Yeah, so um, if he did shat himself, he shat himself and not in a toilet. No, quite right. Yes, yeah. There's no toilet. What if what if you get like nervous diarrhea or something? I'm not sure. I think I think they've got to like. This is why know, I can't go to space. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> a 90, 90 year old's been to space, so but I, I'm yeah. still I'm still baffled by the concept because I mean ninety. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They, okay. But they must have used a lot of they must use a lot of fuel to get up there, and mm. that can't be good for the environment. No. You know, to, to, to like you know, blast six people in a space. Don't do that. That's no. a, there's so many simulators that can simulate. You go to you go to um, Epcot, Walt Disney World now. They've got a restaurant there called Space 2020. You get into an elevator and it like rockets you, you know, uh, 220 kilometers above the Earth. Uh, and like as as you're you're going, are you serious? You actually go up in no. Okay. Really? No. I'm sorry. I had a moment. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, so, so you get in the elevator. But I, I'm just imagining there is – do you get like no gravity at some point? No. That's, no see, that is, is what's rocketing into space is about. People want to feel the zero gravity. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a ride there uh, which is called Mission Space and that one, it, uh, you don't get to feel the, the gravity as in no gravity. Mm. You get to feel the G-forces as you're rocketing up into space. Yeah, no. So, no, thanks. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, just like figure out a way where you can feel that weightlessness here on Earth because yeah. going out to space to feel it, it, it's just, it's very risky. Go it's, have a float. Yeah, very true. You know, yeah. go have a float. Yeah, that sounds very It's nice. not for everyone, mm. but um, it wasn't for me. <laughs> Brain just did not shut up. Um, apparently I, you have to give it a couple of goes, but I don't. I don't think I want to try it again. There was. I've done a float a few times. It's, mm. it's been. It's been good. But I, I really want to just go in there and play the Batman soundtrack because um, uh, I just think because I'd feel like Batman for an hour. <laughs> Does he float in his comic books or something? No, no. I just just being in total blackness and then right. having like the Tim Burton Batman soundtrack playing. Uh, I, I just think it would be exhilarating. That'd be really meta of Batman to listen to his own music, though. Wouldn't it? it? Would rather, yes, yeah. But I, I mm. can just imagine him like you know driving around going. I think that'd be great. Oh gosh. Um, okay. <laughs> Everyone has their own dreams, Lewis. Let no one squash yours. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we've got lots to talk about tonight, actually. But first of all, I just want to say I've just finished off. Uh, I will get to that. Um, Ted Lasso season two. You did. Well yes, done. Yes, there was lots of swearing that went on towards the end of it. From you or from? From me. Yeah. Um, Chris has watched two episodes because I want him to watch them. So I've re-watched the first two episodes. Wow. But we're also watching Sex Education season three. Um, and, you know, so we haven't quite got there. But anyway, there's lots to do. So in light of that, t- a Ted Lasso um, season two. I'm sorry it's not in a pink box. Oh, oh, really? You've, oh, you've done some cooking. I did cooking. Ah. Um, it- I, I couldn't find a, a pink box for you, but um, we don't want to give anyone who's got misophonia any kind of, like, you know, issues. But I have baked some Ted Lasso biscuits for Lewis wow. and uh, Kat. So, and I mentioned Kat just so that she knows she should be getting two when she gets home yeah. and you are not to eat all of them. Well, I is, I'm just going to take a bite. Just okay, try step so. away from the microphone. There we go. Very good. And he's chewing and he's thinking and he's wondering, hmm, is that salt? Yes, it is. 
It's a lovely little hint of salt right at the mm, end. That's good. I like that. It's very tasty. They are. It's mm. kind. They're kind of like shortbreads. They're, they're, but they're not. They're not shortbreads. But they're kind of yeah. like shortbreads. Mm. Yeah. It's there's a heck of a lot of butter in there, um, some sugar, some flour, and a little touch of salt. So you get like a little. You, you mm. use rock salt, so you actually get that little salt, like thing at the end. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. You're welcome. Yeah, they're I, good, aren't they? I bought yeah. them to work yesterday, and they just went off like. Like hotcakes. You have to get pink boxes now, though, to, to I have I know, them. I know. Those, yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But anyway, yes, if but you haven't watched Ted Lasso, get on it. It's Ted, bloody marvellous. It's really good. I, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you breakfast. No, I won't do that. Um, the, uh, the, the, the show, though... It took a really weird turn with one of the partic- one character in particular this season. Yeah, um, I was so angry. Yeah, yeah. But it, like, I think that that happens in life, though. It, it was just odd. Like, uh, like in the the show, um, you had this character Nate, who in the first season was this lovable guy who was just, um, you know, he was doing all the grunt work in mm. in, in the um, uh, the football club. So, like, you know, cleaning up after people, making sure their shoes are clean, making mm. sure they've got fresh towels, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, like, you know, Ted saw the potential in him and made him a coach by the end of the season. But then in the second season, he started to get this massive chip on his shoulder mm. and his character got really dark. But mm. I mean, but that's great storytelling. Because, it is. Because he just got, like, going, what is going on here? He's got daddy issues. That's the problem. Mm. Um, yeah. That scene where he because there's an underling basically who's taken his job yeah. and the the moments where he's railing at him I'm just I'm so angry with him yeah, yeah. you know like, don't but, speak to him like that. Yeah, I suppose you're right because I didn't notice it because it wasn't just like a, a thing that happened in the last few episodes of the season. No. <clears throat> it was kind of evolving yeah. throughout the whole season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just very, very odd. Like, because, you know, to be given that chance and to, to get, you know, so, um, uh, you know, get so much more in your, your profession mm. and then to just start, you know, Reacting the way he was to the people mm. he was working with, it was all very, very strange. But it'll be interesting to see where they go with uh, with season three. I there's a, so many things about Ted Lasso that I enjoy, and you know, on the surface you think it's a comedy, but there's a lot more going on underneath each character, mm, and mm. it's really good to get into what makes each one of them tick and what issues they've got and what they've brought to the table. Um, and so there are moments in there that do make you cry. I don't know about you, but I had some moments in this season and I had moments in the last season as well. But then it also is really a great show about breaking down the patriarchy from the inside, Mm. you know, because there's that moment, um, I think in the, yeah, in the second season where Ted is talking to Jamie and saying, oh, you're just going to have to get with him and woman it out and he's like don't you mean man it out and he goes no you tried that it didn't work you need to woman it out (laughs) so um and you can see this season how jamie's progress and i just feel like there's some real strong male characters who are portraying you know not um people who are just continuing on the the patriarchy so yeah i enjoy that so who's who's your favorite character in in the show um, oh, that's really difficult. I I really like Jamie and I think it's because I can see that he has had a hard life and, 
you can see why he's a little bit damaged and why he is the way he is. And you can also see he's progressing. Um, love Sam. Sam's great. He's just so lovely. Um, who is your favourite character? Uh, I, I like uh, Brett Goldstein who plays Roy Kent. I think, <laughs> I think Roy Kent is he's awesome. And um, if I had to cast a Wolverine, even though he's probably too tall for it, yeah. I'd cast him as Wolverine. Possibly a bit old now. Well, maybe, but, you know, he's, uh, I think he'd be good. I need um, to watch an interview to find out if that's his real voice. Yeah. <laughs> that I think he really so. talks like, yeah, I enjoyed getting a, an audition for this Ted Lasso. Yeah, because he's got that really grumbly voice. Oh, my God, that was magic. That yeah. was brilliant. Well done. Uh, but he's, he's great. Um, uh, Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard. Yeah. I love yeah. his work. He, mm. he's, he's so understated and yes. I, I just love how cool it is. Um, Juno Temple as uh, Keely Jones. Um, she's fantastic. Mm. Um, just, and the fact we're watching that and um, the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt show on uh, as well, um, oh, Mr. I Corman. I haven't started that. Yeah, is Mr. Corman is good but it is all over the place. Oh, this okay. Is not, this is not a, a show where you can watch it and, like, every episode you're going to be on the same ride. This ride changes rails very quickly. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's interesting but it is something you've got to really – push yourself to, to get through. Oh, that's um, not what I want in a TV show. But Juno Temple's in it. So oh. it's kind of weird when you're watching her uh, in uh, watching her in Ted Lasso with a British accent and mm. then watching her in uh, Mr. Corman with an American accent. I think the first time I saw her was in St. Trinian's. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's aged really quickly all of a sudden. Mm. And I don't know if it's because she's very, very slim and I think sometimes that... Um, you know, if you're very slim, it can make your face look a bit old. She See, I'm 40 and fat, so I fat don't crack. So <laughs> everyone's like, what? You don't look 40. Like, yeah, man, it's the cheeks. It pushes out the wrinkles. So She um, was also in uh, a, in The Dark Knight Returns. She was uh, Catwoman's friend. Ah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, but the whole cast, I mean, you, you've got uh, Nick... Uh, Hammond, who plays Nate, um, Nate or the Dark Nate as he is now. <laughs> um, you got uh, Tohib Jimo, uh, Jimo, uh, who plays Sam Obastanya, and he's brilliant as well. Yeah. He's really good. Um, you got uh, Jeremy Swift, who plays Higgins. Isn't he the kind of guy? I love like, him. Wouldn't you just like him to be your mate? He's oh, I so would. I just and he's so in love with his wife, mm-hmm. and he's like. He talk, the way he talks about his family is just lovely. Yeah. But I think, like, as far as me, uh, as far as a person on the show mm. that just, like, stands out, not just because she's incredibly tall, um, is Hannah Waddingham, who plays Rebecca. Mm. And she is just, like, you know, steals a scene every time she's on screen. Yeah. Absolutely amazing actress. And when we were watching Set Education, we found out, we were like, you know, because we were watching going, this woman's amazing. Why have we not seen her in anything before? Mm. And then all of a sudden you go, hang on, Tick, she's the mum of that guy in Sex Education. I have literally, because Chris is being a bit slow with the watching of season three, um, I have gone back and started watching season one of Sex Education because I wanted to try to remember... Um, how Adam's relationship has built with Eric and, like, what he was like at the start and I just wanted to remember. And, of course, yes, uh, Hannah Waddington comes up on screen. I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) So, but anyway, we've got to stop babbling on. So before we came into the studio, Lewis was showing me um, a clip which he's going to explain a little bit more in detail, but I'm going to play 
a portion of the clip and just see uh, what people's thoughts are about it. Um, maybe you can join us on Facebook. We're going to post it on there. But just have a bit of a listen to this and we're going to talk about it in a moment. Listen, falling asleep on the top again, my lord. No immenseness, just uh, working on my report on dreams. <laughs> dreams? Well, dreams are a beautiful aspect of human culture. In fact, it happens when you're at night and you close your eyes and all kinds of images happen and it's really bizarre. Well, let's try this one. Well, it depends on all you ask. If you ask Cinderella, she might sing it to you and say, Robin? A dream is a wish your heart... Robin! Could you give us a moment? I think I'll leave it there. Um, so... Robin. Yeah, so if no one told you that wasn't Robin Williams just like, you know, riffing, you would just assume that was Robin Williams, wouldn't you? Yeah, and we continue to watch the clip um, out there and it's uncanny how much not just the whoever this is sounds like him, looks a little bit like him, but the mannerisms, mm, mm. It's, it's just bizarre, like it's... It's like it's him. Yeah, it's very weird. It's 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 very it's very odd. But uh, so this has been uh, doing the rounds uh, th- this week, um, and it's been like put forward as a screen test for a Rob Williams biopic. But the thing is, that there isn't actually a Rob Williams biopic being made. Um, I think what this actually is is a uh, a way of trying to generate interest mm. in a Robin Williams biopic uh, being made. Um, but the actor in the the um, uh, clip is a guy called uh, Jamie Costa, and you're right; he, it's just amazing just how much he uh, embodies uh, the way Robin Williams performed. Mm. Um, and yeah, I I mean, if there was a if there was a, uh, a Ron Williams biopic with this guy in it, I'd be going, take all my money because <laughs> this, this looks amazing. And just seeing that small clip there, I just wanted to see more. Yeah, same. And, I mean, he's not, he's not overly well known. Um, I mean, it, it lists here what he's known for as Final Fantasy VIII Remake. Um, so is, is that just voiceover work that he's maybe done before? I don't know. I think so. I think, um, I, I there think seems to be a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. I think he's done a lot of, um, uh, like, he's got a, uh, some social media stuff, uh, but has done Ron Williams impersonations and, and those kind of things. Oh, and there's, uh, there's a picture of him impersonating Marty McFly here as oh, yeah. well, so... Uh, mm. So chances are he's probably one of those, uh, an actor who's done uh, you know, a lot of those uh, kind of roles where you're um, doing impressions of, act- of actors and mm. characters and, and those kind of things. Um, he's he done looks, a lot of fa- yeah, a comedian of, as well. Yeah, done a lot of fan films uh, based on Jurassic Park and Star Wars. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because it's kind of like um, you remember back in the day when Ryan Reynolds wanted to be Deadpool and then they, yes. they released that test footage of Deadpool uh, that it was released and they go, oh, we don't know who released it. Yeah, but yeah. it was enough for people to just go, oh, my God, that's amazing, let's do that. Yeah. And this feels very much like the same kind of thing mm. uh, because everyone loves Robin Williams. I mean, there's not – I dare say there's no one you could say, like, you know, doesn't like Robin Williams. And if I meet them one day, I, I will be very troubled. Yeah, because there's, there's, he was a wonderful man and everyone should like him. Uh, but the – I want. I would love to see. I love a biopic. You know. Yeah, as long as it's well done. Yeah. And I think based on the way that scene went, um, 
I think if you're embodying the person that well, mm. oh, it's so, it's actually, it, it's like Uncanny Valley type thing. It's, it's very mm. bizarre. It's, it's almost off-putting in a way. That sounds bad, but I mean like it's, it, I think it would take me a minute to get used to like watching a long movie with mm. him because it, it's, he's so much like him. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But I, I think like the uh, likelihood of a Ron Williams uh, biopic happening is probably very unlikely. Why is that? Well, because I don't think he w- would want it to happen. And if, uh, if for it to happen, you'd really have to get the approval of his widow, uh, Susan Schneider, uh, so Susan Schneider Williams, or his daughter, Zelda Williams, to sign off on it. So I don't think you could make a, a Ron Williams film without their involvement in some way. Mm. Um, and they've publicly said that they don't want one or? Well, they, I, don't think, they, I don't think they have publicly. Yeah. But I think it's just likely that uh, that they wouldn't because I'm, I'm sure I've heard stuff about um, Ron Williams not wanting stuff about him released and, and those kind of things. I have heard that as well. It, he he's he was a fiercely private person, um, and I mean that's pretty evident because he he took his own life and no one was aware um, of of his troubles. But unfortunately that happens often uh, where people take their life and and people are completely unaware that there was any issues at all. So um, that's that's why it is good to ask people, are you okay, even if it seems like they are. So because it's often the people you don't suspect. So... Yeah, that, that's you know, incredibly sad. And if there is people that are you know, dealing with you know, mental health issues and depression and, and things like that, then it's always you know, good to reach out to, mm. to friends, family, uh, to, to therapists and, and Beyond Blue and other like, services are there for you. Mm. Mm. But yeah, but, I mean, that aside, the, uh, that like, short that we just saw a snippet of is, is amazing. And like, whether or not that Ron Williams film ever gets made, uh, I think that that uh, actor is, is incredibly talented and, uh, and I hope that uh, we get to see, see more of him um, in, in other uh, you know, movies and TV shows because, yeah, he's, he seems like a, a very... Um, Jamie Costa seems like a very talented person. So I hope his talent doesn't just stay on YouTube and it gets out to the wider world. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we hit into uh, some some movies that I've seen, I wanted to run something past you and see whether you had watched this particular show. Can, oh, you don't have headphones on. This makes it very difficult. No, yes, I've not seen that show. So... If you're listening to this, which you are, Lewis just isn't because he doesn't have headphones on. Nope. Um, I am playing the theme music to something called The White Lotus. This is the opening credits. Um, it is a very, very strange short TV series. There's six episodes. Um, it's written and directed by Mike White, who... Uh, a lot of people probably know best for School of Rock. Oh, yep. Um, this is definitely nowhere near School of Rock. Um, as an Amazing Race fan myself, I remember when he went on the Amazing Race with his dad. So he's he's got all the talents, uh, Mike White does. He's a very interesting character. But this TV show is currently on, I want to say, Binge because it's a HBO 
um, program. So it was filmed uh, in very strict quarantine um, sort of situation and it's it stars Jennifer Coolidge, um, uh, oh, I always forget, Connie Britton, Steve Zahn uh, and uh, a few other people but there's those are the names that you're going to probably recognise. Um, it's set in Hawaii at a resort-like place uh, and these three groups of people are on this boat coming to the island. They're super rich people. Um, you've got a family, uh, Connie Britton and Steve Zahn and they're th- two kids and one of the kids' friends. Um, and Connie Britton plays someone who it, it sounds like is the CEO of something like Google. So that's the kind of wealth you're talking mm. about. Um, and then you've got a husband and wife who are just newlyweds um, and the guy who plays him, well, his name is Shane. I don't can't remember the guy who plays him. But he's kind of an a-hole. He's a complete a-hole. Uh, and then his new wife's name is Rachel. So that you see them on their, their honeymoon. And then there's Jennifer Coolidge who is playing um, a lady who's who's come there to put her mother's ashes in the ocean. Right. Um, Have they not got ocean where she lives? Well, it's Hawaii. It's different. She's (laughs) just... It's warm ocean. It's warm ocean. Um, But that's why she's there. And so all of these people are incredibly rich and they're at this resort and they're all cuckoo bananas for different reasons. Jennifer Coolidge is very difficult to watch without thinking of like all of the other kind of crazy characters Sister she's played Bum. before. Well, people like that and, you know, who she played in Legally Blonde. Mm. She's kind of got a style um, and I tried to forget about the style that she normally plays. But, yeah, so she's a bit cuckoo in this. Um, and then the the family is uh, – they've got their own crazy things going on. Steve Zahn thinks he's got – cancer of the balls and then he um, finds out some stuff about his father that he wasn't comfortable with and he kind of goes off the deep end Um, and then his kids have all got their own little things going on. Her daughter, his daughter in particular is um, I think maybe a sociopath. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, And then you've got the newlyweds who um, so Shane's got all of this money and he's married Rachel thinking that, you know, I guess He's wanting her to be the trophy wife. Mm-hmm. She's a journalist and he completely doesn't respect her job and is like, well, you're married now, you don't have to work. But she's had to work her entire life. She's not used to this whole, like, trophy wife business. So she's really uncomfortable about it. Um, and then you've got Armand who is, like, the resort manager and he is a really, really fun character who's struggling with his sobriety and also struggling with people like Shane who's coming and complaining to him excuse me, about not being in the right room and, like, you know, all the little particulars and he slowly goes kind of insane as well. So what's the show called again? White Lotus. White Lotus. There's only six episodes and it's bizarre AF, um, but in a good way. And it's on binge. On binge, right. Yeah, so 50-minute uh, episodes. So it's not a quick watch, mm-hmm. but still it's like... It is very binge-worthy and I guess that's why it's on binge. <laughs> so that's the only other thing I've been watching. I started watching uh, the second season of um, Morning Wars, mm-hmm. you know, with Reese Witherspoon and um, Jennifer yeah, Aniston. Yeah, Kat, Kat and I watched uh, an, an episode of it or a couple of episodes. but Of we, the first season? First season, yeah. We haven't gone back to it yet. Oh, my God. 
I I got hooked in really quickly with yeah. that and I think it's because I think everyone was doing their role really well and it's very hard to look at Steve Carell mm. um, and because he plays basically a Matt Lauer type person who is has been fired from his morning show for sexual harassment um, and other misdeeds of that nature and it's very hard to see him in that role but he does it so well um so i've just started watching the second season and you've got billy crudup in it there as well and he's freaking superb in that role um and i really enjoyed jennifer aniston so give it another try if you can i it's a quick watch and once you get into it you really get into it yeah i don't think it was the uh like we didn't enjoy it i Mm. think it was just that there was so much so much other stuff yeah kind of like you know, it takes you away from it. But uh, no, we'll get back into it and, and, uh, and watch some more. So, mm. yeah. Um, well, have we covered off all the shows that we've been watching? Uh, no. Well, I've got um, – I mentioned last week that uh, Kat and I had gotten back into Lucifer on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And because it was season five and season six of the very last season of Lucifer. That's many. And – but it was it was really good. It was a uh, interesting way they actually ended up wrapping the 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 show up. But uh, it was it was great. It was a very um, you know you, with with an end of a show you kind of you know want to get hit in the feels a little bit mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And there's this mystery uh, surrounding the last season where uh, you you have Lucifer's daughter from the future come into the the show and she's really pissed off at Lucifer because. Not the Lucifer from the show, but the one that was in the future, uh, he disappeared. And so she never met Lucifer because he disappeared uh, when she, before she was born. Mm. And so she was angry at him and came back wanting to kill him because she felt abandoned by him, which was a great parallel because Lucifer felt like he was abandoned by his father who was God. Uh, and then also in this uh, final season there is... Um, God decides that he's done with being God and and moves on, and so they need to get a new God to take his place. And uh, Lucifer puts his hand up to become God. So it's it's really interesting. Like they did they did hmm. such a great like uh, you know, obviously the um, the first you know four seasons of Lucifer. Well, first three they were fairly grounded, and then they started putting more celestial beings in the show, and it made it more interesting. But this one, when they got to season six, they just went, "Let's just go all out," and they, they went all out. It was mm. awesome. So, as someone who doesn't know anything about this show, yeah. um, I'm completely confused. So I, for some reason, I don't know why, I was like, "This is Ed Idris Elba, right?" No. 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 What's his show? Idris Elba. It, doesn't Idris Elba have a show? Um, Who's the main guy in Lucifer then? Uh, the, is, the main guy is... Uh, what am I thinking of? English, an English bloke who's uh, very white compared to Idris Elba. Okay, so completely not... Um, I'm sure Idris Elba has a TV show or had a TV show and people are yelling at the... Um, at the uh, whatever they're listening to us yeah. on, I guess. Um Luther, okay. Yep. I knew he was in something. All right. Yeah, so no, I'm no. not going insane. L- Luther's a, a very different show. Because I'm like, I was sure that this was about a detective. <laughs> well, no, it is. <laughs> Which is what Luther is about. Yeah, Lu- But Luci- not Lucifer. <laughs> no. Tom Ellis is who plays Lucifer. And he's a he's a song and dance man. He's really, uh, really awesome. Uh, and Lauren German plays uh, Chloe Decker. Uh, but it's a, like... Uh, 
it started off as a usual procedural, right? Um, yeah. So you had a, a man and a woman uh, that had sexual tension, uh, but just so happens to be that the man in this instance is Lucifer. But he's always like people say, what's your name? And he's like, Lucifer Morningstar, I'm the devil. And they're all like, ha, 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 very funny. But he's always been honest to people and told them that he's a devil. People just don't believe him. So it's just it was really interesting to see how the story over the six seasons actually you know, unfolded. And in the beginning it was just – it was just case of the week procedural. Yeah. Which is still, it's good to watch. You know, you, you don't need to put too much effort into watching a show like that. Yeah. You just watch it and go, awesome, I'm done, let's move on. But then as the show progresses, much like Buffy, mm. um, you go from a, a show which is like uh, your know, villain of the week to a show which has got an ongoing narrative. Yeah. Uh, and the, the episodes link up more. And they weren't afraid to do stuff in this show like, you know, kill main characters and, and things like that. So, um, the, the last season was great. So if you haven't gotten to Lucifer and you've got uh, you know, some time to watch uh, six seasons of a TV show uh, and admittedly the, uh, the runs get shorter as you get to season five and six, mm. um, yeah, it's great. Really, really good. I, I see Luther only has um, 21 episodes, so that's more doable for me. I think I might watch Idris Elba instead. Fair enough. <laughs> At some Fair point. Enough. Do you realise he's, he's um, stopped doing movie stuff and he's, um, he's released a song with... Uh, I forget who it is now because I'm not a music person. Uh, but he went on stage with them and everything. Oh, right. And then he's, like, released a song with them. And it's like a, a New Zealand or Australian band. Uh, Flight of the Concords. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> Flight of the Concords. Yeah, uh, Idris Alba and Inner City featuring Stephanie Christian. Idris Alba, can you do anything? Wiley. Uh, yeah, so he's, like, singing and stuff. But it's more kind of rapping and stuff. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, I do actually have movies to talk about tonight, uh, just briefly, I might add, uh, because we are slowly running out of time. So there's one that is out, I believe, today, and it's called Waiting for Anya. Um, this is a film set in France in 1942 or thereabouts during the Nazi occupa occupation of France and it's it's another kind of war film where they talk about, uh, you know, showing where people have saved Jewish children from going to concentration yeah. camps, so French people hiding kids and, and, and whatnot. Um, so... I'm just typing it into IMDb, apologies, because I am trying to find all of the names that are in there. Um, but, of course, it's not a very big movie, so I have to type in the whole thing for it to come up. But anyway, uh, it's got it's got Noah Schnapp in it, and I don't know if that's how you say his name. Noah Schnapp. I, want to say, I hope it's Schnapp. How do you, how do you spell it? S-C-H-N-A-P-P. -P. Sounds like Schnapp. I know, but then you look at like, you know, in Hamilton and it's got the Skylar sisters and it looks like Schuler sisters, but it's Skylar. So maybe this is Noah Skype, <laughs> Skinap. I don't know. But anyway, he's he's mostly known for playing Will in Stranger Things. Um, and so there's there's a bunch of people in here. Some of them are French, some of them are German. And some of them are American uh, and putting on French accents of various degrees of <laughs> success. Um, the, the, so basically 
Noah plays a, a a young kid called Joe, whose parent his his dad is away at war. He he's a prisoner of war, so he's living with his mum, his sister, and his grandfather, who is played by um, very well known French uh, actor Jean Renault. Um, and while his dad is away, he's shepherding their sheep. So it's a like a farm town sort of thing. So, but he un. He accidentally comes across a young man, or not young really, um, a middle-aged man, I guess, in the woods. Um, And he has been hiding uh, some Jewish kids and he's Jewish himself. So he is being hidden um, by a lady called, well, it's her name in the movie is Widow Hawkanda. And that sounds like Wakanda. I've definitely said it wrong. But anyway, that's played by Angelica Houston. So she's hiding this man yep. and also hiding these kids. Was hers one of the bad French accents? Hers was spectacular. Oh. Thank God <laughs> that Angelica Houston is all I can say. Um, so his role is to basically shepherd these children, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, across the, the mountains and into Spain Did he have where a they will be safe. No. Right. But Joe um, discovers this and he gets in on the plot and is kind of helping as well uh, shepherd these children across into Spain. A shepherd being a shepherd. It's based on a true story um, and there is it is narrated um, by a French accent. Um, the... The thing about this film is there's I, I know this is going to sound crass, but there's a lot of films that are similar to this. Mm-hmm. So it has to be pretty spectacular to kind of push through the rest of the bunch and it's just not. And I feel very sad for the person that it's based on because his life and what he did was amazing, um, you know, helping to save these children. Uh, it's pretty awesome stuff, but unfortunately... It's just not been visualised very well, and I get. I, we've talked about this before in in this show mm. that if you're going to do like a French movie, just just hire a whole bunch of people who are French and subtitle it, so that it's more believable and it, it you know makes sense, and you don't have people in it doing terrible French accents, mm. or have nobody doing any accents at all. Uh, just make a choice. That's all I'm saying. Um, the So Noah Schnapp, I'm sure that's not how you say it, but I'm just sticking with it. His accent is terrible. It is terrible. Um, and you've got Angelica Houston in there with a spectacular French accent. She sounds like she's French, like to my uneducated Australian ear, she sounds Mm. magnificent, but she was underused. She was so good in this film and it just would have been a better film if I had more Angelica (laughs) Houston because she was brilliant in every scene that she was in. And you had um, Jean Renault or Jean Renault, I think that's how you say it. Mm. Um, A lot of people probably recognise his face. He's very, very well known, Um, was in Leon the Profession. Yep, there you go. He's got that face. Whips He's, in the face. Yeah, people people yeah. know him. They really yeah. do. Um, and ha- again, brilliant French accent. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> um, but he was brilliant as well in every scene he was in and underused. 
like two of the best people in there completely underused and I understand why because it's technically the story is from the the young I want to say Will but he's not his name is Joe um from his perspective it's his story mm-hmm. so you understand that but um as a result the movie kind of fails because it's it's underwhelming mm. and I was slightly disappointed um but anyway, um, I'm going to give it two and a half um, sheep. Fair enough. The word the word shepherding. Yeah. One of my favourite uh, uses of uh, like uh, a film set in France mm. was Marie Antoinette, where everyone was speaking English. Yes. Except for one little girl. I think it was her daughter yeah. who spoke not just with a French accent. But spoke French. Yeah. That was awesome. I love that. Oh, that yeah. was great. See, you've got to make a choice and just go yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, but this was not it. <laughs> so go, hire someone who can do a better friend. And there were scenes in there. Like I don't remember um, this person's character in Stranger Things being all that good of an actor anyway. Yeah. And so when I was watching it, um, I was saying things like, oh, my God, how did he even get this job? Um <laughs> And it makes it sound like it's a terrible movie. It's not. It's watchable. Mm. But that's not what you want your movie to sound. You don't want that on the on the posters, do you? Yeah, watchable. Buy unscripted the film show. Yeah, it's, like, no. it's not what you want on the posters. No. It's just like when you go to a restaurant and people say, how was it? Edible. Edible, yeah. That's no. not what you yeah. want when you're on a restaurant review, you're is it? aiming for hire, yeah. yeah. Aiming for hire. So it is a bit disappointing and I'm disappointed for the person that yeah. it's based on. But anyway... Two and a half sheep and it's out now. So you gave it a pass mark basically. I did. Yeah. I did. Um, and it, a lot of that had to do with the the actual story itself and Angelica Houston and, and John Renault. So. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So I did watch another film this week which is not out until next week and it's called Becoming Cousteau and it's a documentary and by the name of it you would probably assume it's about Jacques Cousteau, and you would be correct, it is. Um, So Jacques Cousteau is very well known for bringing the ocean into people's lives. So similar to David Attenborough and how well he is known for for bringing nature into people's living room, Jean Renault, um, Jean Renault, sorry. (laughs) I've got too many Jeans in my head. Um, They're both French. Jean-Paul Gaultier? No. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme? It it is Jean... Jean Jean, Jean Cousteau? Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Um, he's known for bringing uh, uh, underwater to people's attention and why we need to take oh, care stuff, of it. There's stuff and under there. There's stuff <laughs> under there. But more like the things that we're doing climate-wise yeah. are not being great for the ocean. Quite right. So this is why I made the David Attenborough comparison mm-hmm. obviously he's he's he also spent a lot of his life developing um ways to research under under the water um and there's some of his earlier um research projects that didn't go very well uh which they go into in the movie in into the documentary um and there's a lot of footage that has never been shown before and some of it is um there is a very small portion of it. I don't know if they've colorized it, but it feel like they must have because some of this stuff was happening late 40s, oh, right. early 50s because they worked for the Navy recovering airmen from under the ocean who had gone down with 
planes wow. and stuff like that. And so they're recovering dead, bloated mm. bodies. And there are uh, there is a scene where you see that that's what they were doing. So quite traumatic, mm. really, to, to be going through that. Um, but the reason they're doing that is so that they can find out better ways of of going underwater because, of course, you know, you just had the big old helmet so once was, upon a time. Was, and was it the big old helmet with the, the tube coming off it to the boat where there was air or pumping down? <sighs> there was one like that mm. and then they've attached by a rope as well. Right. Um, and then there was an unfortunate incident where they were doing some research and they tried to do it without a rope to see how deep the person could go and they passed away. Mm. Um, so you've got a lot of letters um, back and forth between him and other people, his wife. Um, you've you've got people who worked with him doing voiceover. Um, some of it's in French, some of it's in English. Um, you've also got his son talking about his life with him. So I think there's a lot of things that have been recorded interviews and such over time that haven't really come to light or they've they've not all been brought together in one documentary. Mm. So I think there was something crazy like 550 hours worth of footage that that the director has gone through to try to, you know, pick and choose what um, what to put in there. And there, it is a quite detailed uh, documentary. And it, it is made by a an Oscar-winning documentarian, um, uh, Liz Garbus, or nominee, I should say. So she's she's had um, What Happened to Miss Simone, which is about Nina Simone. Uh, that was Emmy it, Academy Award uh, nominated. Uh, she's won some Emmys as well, again, for... Um, for directing so she's she's done a lot of stuff and just the amount of the amount of footage that she's had to go through and I know she obviously she's got a team helping her with that but yeah there's there's a lot in this film and if you don't know anything about Jacques Cousteau it's a really really detailed documentary and um yeah parts of it are slightly slow Mm. but um but that I think is because it is so detailed. So it's really interesting to hear from his son. When did he die? Like was it was he in the two thousands or did he die before the oh. night, before two thousands? I don't remember actually. But he lived for a very very long time. He he was an old man, which is kind of surprising considering mm. like all of the the diving and stuff. Well, he started um, diving because he had a accident, and I now I can't remember what the accident was. But to recover. Uh, it was suggested that he spend some time in the ocean mm. and he started spear fishing. So, and I guess the being weightless in the water was what was helping him recover from his injury. Right. So, because he used to be a pilot. So, that's how he started his life, I think, during the war. Uh, and then he had an injury mm. and, yeah. So, he had a fascinating life and, yeah, and I right. think without without him starting going into the ocean and showing us what it's about, I think we'd have no idea Mm. of, you know, just how delicate that ecosystem is and how much we're damaging it. Still not paying that Mm. much attention to it, unfortunately. But Well, we've made it it worse, uh, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, Yeah. we haven't haven't listened. But, yeah, I'm going to give that three and a half um, oxygen tanks. Or you could call it Aqualung, which apparently he was uh, co-developed, the Aqualung. Mm. Uh, and he was uh, born in 1910 and died in 1997. So he was 80, 
seven when he died. Yeah, ripe old age. Mm, he did well. There was a there was a uh, a Disney Imagineer uh, who died this way. I should should actually find out. Oh yes, I did actually see that. Um, yeah, I can't remember her name, but she was like 111. She was soups old. She was 111. This is yeah. the same. We're talking about the same person. I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah 111. Um, but you know, so she she did. Oh, no, all wait, she wasn't really an Imagineer. She was more of a Disney. She she was an animator, animator wasn't yeah, she? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she did. Yeah, lots of animating back in the day. She was one of the last people who actually worked on Snow White. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's like 1930s or something, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it's a uh, uh, oh, really. Oh, there she is, Ruthie Thompson. Ruthie, what a great name. Thompson is just like, yeah, she, she died at 111. And it was like, it was funny, the, all these people going, oh, that's so sad. I'm like, how much longer do you want this poor woman to live? <laughs> <laughs> really, 111, she's done her go, time. Go freeze yourself with Walt Disney. Come yeah. on, we need you around longer. Oh, yeah, that's a long time. That's dear. a long time. So, yeah, but, yeah, Ruthie, you huge bucket of win. I mean, that's uh, – you. how many people get to get, get to 111? You know, yeah. Not many. No, if any. Very few. I reckon you could play count it on one hand. Yeah, uh, well, a few more. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, just moving on quickly from that because we're pretty much done for, for the night – um, the Italian Film Festival is, uh, I believe it's on currently, is it? Or is it coming up soon? Uh, I think just it's coming up soon. Just trying to find my dates Well, because just, just last night was the like the media thing, so uh, I would dare say it is not uh, out yet. N- no. Um, why can't I find it? It's kind of weird. We've got the... We've got <laughs> I'm the, like, I can't find the dates. We've got They'll the guide be somewhere here, in here. And the guide does not actually say what dates the thing starts. Well, that's it'll be in there somewhere, and we're just not looking hard enough. I think is the problem. And seriously, I can't even find like your know, dates that films are screening and stuff like uh, that. The, they're at the back, but they don't give they give you the days, but not the yeah. dates. Um, maybe they haven't decided on when they're so going to have the Italian Film Festival yet. They just <gasps> oh, maybe that's why they printed them like that, so that be, they could just well, have it as certain weeks, and then um, maybe move that, it around to when they needed to, based on you know. Uh, things being closed and whatnot. Yeah, maybe that's what they've gone for here. That's clever. Yes, it says, please check website for dates in your city. So there you go. Go online, have a look. Um, so the Italian <laughs> Film Festival, I it's believe, is eminent. Happening in spring yeah. 2021. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and the other thing coming up, um, I know we got to go, but November is uh, the British Film Festival. So it's all got all your greats in there, mm. all the people you're used to seeing, like Judy Dench and um, Helen Mirren, Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth, Tim Spale, um, you know, all the good ones. And then you've got a um, an Edgar Wright film. Um, called Last Night in Soho. Oh, Soup's looking forward to that. Um, It's got the young, big-eyed chess-playing lady. What's her name? Anya? Anna? Anna Taylor-Joy. That's the one. It looks really, really interesting. But anyway, um, that's us done for the night. Um, I will guess I'll speak to you in a few weeks' time when somebody else has a (laughs) night off. I'll... um, Will, that, will you will you come in uh, for the end of year? Of shot? course, I will. Yeah. Of course. Excellent. Um, we'll catch you later.
Here's a bit of, um, if you're listening live, the kinks because, you know, they're British and I just talked about the British Film Festival. I have a way of segueing. Nice. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.